Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor John and I sit down to talk about some of the chapters and images in the book of Proverbs that we find most compelling. We also discuss this week's message in our series entitled Wisdom That Works. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Preaching, back in the armchair with Pastor John for the second week in our series in Proverbs. Wisdom that works. Wisdom that works. Proverbs chapter 9 was the topic of our discussion uh, this week. And uh, But before we jump in that, because we, we're, we've been invited people um, to read through the book of Proverbs mm-hmm. <clears throat> through the month of July... And so, just in general, just uh, wanted to talk about the book, but also about <clears throat> specific aspects for us that we find. Last week, we talked about the kind of the place of the book of Proverbs in our ministry and in our devotional life and what that's been like. But I want to kind of drill down on some of the imagery or some of the specific Proverbs that really speak to you, um, whether it's whether it's encouraging or whether it's uh, captivating or whether it's yeah. particularly challenging. So is there, is there an image? Because it, it's a lot of metaphor. I mean, the whole book is one giant metaphor in a lot of ways. Where we were this week. Especially this week. But but is there an image that's really uh, powerful to you or challenging to you in the book of Proverbs or a particular proverb that you resonate with? Uh, you know, we we uh, we skipped right over this in our in our series because the uh, we were on the second we're on the second ninth and and so on, and uh, but but Proverbs three is always a great one. Trust not in <clears throat> trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and uh, all your ways submit to Him and He will uh, make your path straight. I mean that is just a classic kind of go to yeah. one. So that that's always one that's just meaningful uh, to go to because it's a great reminder to us that we we and and I think we've been unpacking it the last couple of weeks is that it's really easy to lean on what did Josh call it and you mentioned it in your sermon conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom. Yeah. yeah. It's really e- easy to lean mm-hmm. on that, but if we're leaning on God's wisdom, it's a different story. Yeah. And that that succinctly says that and I think that's why people like that one. So that one's always been an attractive one yeah. to me. The other thing that came to mind when you were asking about that is uh, the famous um, final chapter of yeah, Proverbs thirty one uh, of, 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 of Proverbs because you know it's some sometimes I've heard it and I mostly hear this from women saying that I find this an inspirational yeah. chapter and I have other women saying I find I find it an unrealistic chapter yeah is that what woman is is all of that yeah and then and then there therefore they would feel some pressure on that so yeah. there's that. Bit of a, and we're not going to get to that either, are we? We're not. We're actually uh, July thirtieth is obviously Proverbs thirty, so the next day will be Proverbs thirty one. We might have uh, to say something. We that might day. have to say something about <laughs> it, but it's uh, yeah, we're not actually hitting yeah. that one at all. Yeah, the one that's lately been meaningful to me um, has been Proverbs chapter thirty, uh, verse one, yeah. and it's mostly because of you know seals. My wife's dad passed away a few months ago my mom died a month ago and uh, we've just been in this season um Mm -hmm. and somewhere it wasn't it was before we even started the series um it had been framed out i think by that point but it but somewhere i came across this proverb that says i uh, i am weary god Mm. but i can prevail Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. not really proverb there it's just sort of the context Mm -hmm. of a of proverbial language there but boy did that 
did that did I need to hear that at that at the time? Because you know you go through all this stuff and it's just it, you're just emotionally wiped. Yeah, and you feel that weariness of the, of the proverb. Um, yeah, and uh, but knowing that that God is you're speaking this to God and that you can prevail because of God. It was it's been a very um, very helpful proverb and one that I I doubt I'll ever uh, leave that behind. Yeah. Yeah, it'll always be something to me. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a, all of what you said. I think you know that Proverbs three. Um, I think maybe one of the most quoted scriptures by by sermons uh-huh. by pastors in sermons. It's a great kind of uh, touchstone kind of point. Just a, more of a general. You know, the the one that we 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 talked about a little bit this week in our message. I didn't get into it as much as you did, but you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So mm-hmm. the idea of the uh, to me that's always um, that's probably the most powerful statement. Um, in in the book of Proverbs, because it answers a lot of questions just in that one statement. You know, mm-hmm. why is it that some for some people it's so easy to 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 make good decisions, and and why does it seem like s- some people it's so difficult, and and why is it so easy for some people to understand uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and for others they look at it and they 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 don't they don't mm-hmm. they don't get it when it comes down to this heart uh, this heart posture before the Lord, and so there's the knowledge and the wisdom of, of God is only accessible to those yeah. who have that right heart posture. Yeah. Um, and that's, to me, that's a really uh, a powerful statement about, you know, the entire book of Proverbs about, um, and, and one of the things that I, I jumped on to this week was this this idea of being humble before God yeah. in our wisdom, that there's not, um, there's not, uh, there's no other way to, to be able to make those wise and godly decisions if you're not humble to say i don't have the capacity in myself to do so and and um you know that's i think the sort of thing that i find challenging though is because you know you and i we are in a tradition that values education and values uh knowledge attainment and so we're around a lot of a lot of smart people a lot of the time right and 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 you probably were in seminary um with folks uh it wasn't as much my seminary experience but um but where they had a lot of knowledge about god but there was no transformational knowledge right you know because you know they and and we've seen this people who who who've gone to seminary people who have gone to theological institutions and divinity institutions and they come out the other side and they are atheists or agnostics or um you know my 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 undergraduate school the religion department um is full of people who know a ton about redactor theory and, oh, yeah. and and they've read the Bible through you know uh, you know they they can give you the historical critical analysis of of books but when it comes down to who God is um, they're totally lost and, and I'm reminded of um, that, uh, Tom Gillespie was the president of Princeton Seminary while I was there and he he said we his goal as a president of seminary was to have people who were passionate about Christ. Mm. And have better theology, yeah. <laughs> in his yeah. words, yeah. some of the people who are passionate about Christ and better theology. So he wanted what the opposite of what you're describing, because yeah. that was true. You, you you saw a lot of that. Was great. Lots people loved the the head knowledge, wrestling with ideas, yeah. you know, finding the fine theological you know, hairs to split. They loved that, but you didn't get the sense that they loved the Lord this, yeah. with that same intensity. Yeah. And he said, "I want people who have that love the Lord with that same intensity." 
but I have great, have great theology. Yeah, which I, I found uh, I found very very helpful, and I and I, I think. I think this uh, the idea of the knowledge of God, mm-hmm. uh, the fear of the Lord became, <clears throat> uh, gives you the knowledge of God. The connection between knowing God and knowing and knowing yourself, even is uh, it's just it's just a the it's it's very helpful because yeah. it's it's not it's not just me feeling passionate about something and having an emptiness to mm-hmm. that passion, mm-hmm. and it's not just me feeling having all these great thoughts and having no no heart at all. So yeah. I, that's we, I, in some ways we have a great tradition uh, in that because when when it's working well because we have all of those things absolutely that, that Tom absolutely. Celeste was talking about yeah and 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 again it's when it's working well of course we know people who who. Um, you know, uh, who are not necessarily the most educated, who who would be called um, simple uh, by worldly standards, who have a greater uh, knowledge of God and a wisdom yeah. of God yeah. uh, than That's anyone your else. That's second, second, First Corinthians passage you quoted on Sunday. Yeah, and, and to me, I, I need that passage more than uh, probably anybody else because I, you know, I, I spent a, a good portion of my adult life, actually my entire adult life in school, um, gaining a lot of head knowledge and and the prayer is that the head knowledge leads to uh, an excitement for the lord that's deeper like you know like tom gillespie was saying but and and i think that's where it really comes into you know for me when i get when i when i get to a theological kind of um conundrum and there is kind of this 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 you know maze that i'm trying to navigate through theologically and if i can come to some sense of clarity on the other end of that clarity the the response ought to be how amazing god yes. is that this is true that all these things can be true yeah. not how amazing i am that i could get to this point yeah. of figuring it out and uh, i i think that's um that's it's really it's huge uh, yeah it's huge and i think that's what you know proverbs is about and do you have a favorite proverb do you have do you have one that you go to regularly to me, you know, y'all y'all did Proverbs uh, two, and you mentioned Proverbs one. I, I, it's like Psalms one. You know, Psalm one is kind of the the uh, the the thesis the thesis for the entire thing. Psalm Psalm uh, Proverbs one is very similar in that way, as it kind of lays it out. But I will be honest. I think uh, digging into Proverbs nine this week, it, it rose in my estimation because I, I the imagery is so proud powerful to me the the um the practicality is so powerful to me uh in in and also the acknowledgement of what you know what it's like to try to make good decisions it is this sort of calling from from multiple sides you know and well, that's that, what and it feels the, like and if that isn't modern i don't know what is it's just Absolutely. That we, got, we got a world that is screaming at us for our for our attention yeah. like the foolish woman on the hilltop yeah yeah absolutely and and you know so as we get into this week i i'm curious to you you know you you um you spent some uh you spent uh, um some time talking about uh, the the woman imagery in general. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I had it in my notes. Didn't spend as much time on it. Um, I think there's a lot that could go into that. Sure. You, you did a good job, I think, kind of saying, "Hey, let's not get hung up on the fact that it's a woman," because I think it's, it's kind of can become a red herring for people. Yeah. That's just how the ancient Near Eastern uh, languages uh, worked, and also so because that's the way the languages worked. That's often how it was portrayed. So I wonder, as you were digging yeah. into Proverbs nine, what were the what were like the key kind of <laughs> kind of you know stakes in the ground that you wanted to put in about it? Because there's a lot lot to it. This is one of those 
there's a lot that you leave on the editing room floor, um, and some of the things that have get been done with this is that um, I, I went to. I started seminary in 1994, and in 1993 there was this big event in, the, in PCUSA called Reimagining Conference. Did you did you ever hear about that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, a, but I was 13 years old. Yeah, so. So, yeah. <laughs> so you had to read about it later on. Yeah, I read about I, it later. Yeah. And so, so, but this was the so basically the, the Reimagining Conference did was um, in, in some ways you sort of get it because it was about. Um, uh, celebrating womanhood and yeah. and and just really understanding the the the, the giftedness of women. Yeah. So very affirming about that. But they also took this to places that were just like they, 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 I would not have gone there. <laughs> Put it that way. And uh, and so that that was the first when I saw the the wisdom personified. I said, Oh gosh, this is the this is seminary day one type yeah. of chatter because it was yeah. still going on a year later. Oh, like, yeah, of course. What do you think about that reimagining conference? And so like, Oh gosh, just taking me back a little history lesson here. So 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 with that in mind, I said, Well, you know, this is really I I don't think I really have gone with that sort of context in mind. Mm-hmm. This passage in mind really sat with that idea and say, well, what, what, what did they get right and what did they get wrong? Yeah. And I think what they got wrong was there's nothing wrong with some of the things that they said what was wrong was saying that saying that this passage was saying the, those things they yeah, were saying. This yeah. passage it wasn't about that. This passage, and that that was the fun thing for me is just to unpack. Okay, what's the idea behind personifying? Wisdom, yeah. when wisdom has no business being personified, yeah. and f- folly has no business being personified. Well, yeah. you, just like in, if you're going to make something, yeah. if you can do anything anthropomorphic at all, yeah. you do that usually as a as a tool to help you communicate. Yeah, absolutely. which is exactly what this was for. So this wasn't about other things other than let's try to understand wisdom and the choices that wisdom presents differently. And that's what I was that that was much on my mind. So there's a lot, and there's even a lot more that than that. That I you know wanted to could have unpacked just to say to, to understand that, but I that's that's what I wanted to do. So like, hey, let's 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 deal with the fact that if you if you're reading along, especially if our folks are reading along, yeah. it's like you know here's you know, the fool does this, the fool does, and then all of a sudden wisdom is talking, yeah, and fools foolishness as a concept. Fools can talk all the time, but foolishness, folly foolishness itself, as to, as talking, in, in yeah. contrast to wisdom itself, is talking. And so yeah. th- th- that shift felt like it needed a little explanation. Well, and, and this is, you know, again, one of the things that just you get it, it falls on the cutting room floor because it just ta- it would take a long time. But, you know, this really, uh, chapter nine is really the, the culmination of the first, you know, first nine chapters i mean chapter nine is really kind of uh highlighting yeah, a shift what, in ten yeah, yeah there's a shift in ten that that takes place and it really it's interesting because of the book of proverbs i don't know that this happens any other place but seven eight and nine are connected right because wisdom is pers- wisdom and, and foolishness are personified in seven and eight and then in nine there's this kind of almost Contrast tension, yeah. yeah, tennis match that happens in it, um, which 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 you know is, is interesting. One of the things that I, I as I was, and this was the fun, the difficult part about this particular week for me personally was I started writing this message before we left on vacation, and and then I picked it up again last week. So I'm having to remember. I was having to remember. Okay, what was I thinking when I wrote this? You know, shorthand note mm-hmm. to myself, and I can't, can't quite decide. It was brilliant at the time. It was brilliant at the time. <laughs> Um, but the thing that really, the the good thing about that was what bubbled to the top was what 
I felt like was the most important part of this this passage for this week is that there are times where foolishness looks like wisdom, you know. And and I said this in the in the message. I was nobody sets out to make stupid decisions, you know. Yeah, it's, it's nobody sets out to do that. So there's got to be something about the foolish decision that looks intelligent, smart. Um, at the time, you know, and 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 that's and why. As the, you were saying that, I was I was thinking that we both wanted, you know, that that, that was something that that we both felt that impulse. Yeah. This, this week, I mean, for me, it was like it looks like that, you know, Brennan Manning's yeah wax fruit. You yeah. Know, you see a bowl of wax fruit, it looks great. Yeah. It's yeah. Not. But, yeah. 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 And it, it, the one thing, and I, and I was curious about, you know, how far you wanted to push this or not push this because seven and eight really highlight what you were talking about the, the the type of temptation that folly and foolishness it's it, there's a there's a sensuality to it I, I i just didn't do anything with that um because i you know i i it's july we have a lot of kids in the room so i don't really want to get into all that plus you know it, it, but seven and eight actually six seven and eight really highlight that that's definitely um something that the writer is thinking about that the, the, the foolish, the foolish uh, temptation is a more sensual temptation yeah. and and is there as well too. So what was your, what was your thought process going into? Because you didn't mention some of that as well. Yeah, and you know, again, I I tried to. By the way, I'd be I'd be curious if you talking about the context of the room at the time. Yeah. The, the context of the room was not only had the some young voices in in there, some young young people in there, but you also had the room itself was different this Very week. I'd, different, be, I'd yeah. be curious if that affected how you messaged uh, yeah. the, uh, this week. But I think no, I, I think the the sensuality was just to acknowledge that it was so, and it's certainly the 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 case. Uh, the, the thing I love about this about where we are with, with Proverbs is that Solomon is writing to his son. Yeah. Or sons in other places. Yeah, um, he's writing to his son. What's a dad want to say to his son? Yeah, be careful. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah, there are going to be people out there, not just women in this case. But this is this is the sensual woman mm-hmm. conversation that he's having. That's that ought to be a dad conversation with his mm-hmm. son anyway. Be you know, be careful of the foolish woman who mm-hmm. can lead you astray. But just like you would have the conversation, be 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 be, be aware of a foolish person in general who yeah. can do these the following things. I just love that 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 context of it, and and it's just as earthy as it gets here. With, Absolutely, uh, with Solomon. When you when you're talking to your son about sex, yeah. All right, you're talking about you're talking about real things at this yeah. point. Well, and that the temptation is real, and I think the the thing that that makes that um, even more powerful than just the surface level image of sexual temptation or desirous temptation is that a sexual temptation oftentimes overrides logic, right? Yeah. And and I, I think that's the part. That Sol- that Solomon is trying to kind of uh, you know that that's why you got to put your guardrails up even higher and yeah. your, your filters got to be even greater because it's not people don't make um, unwise sexual decisions because they've logically thought it out right. and they've weighed the pros and the cons and you know right. I'm gonna cheat on my spouse and that seems like a good idea no 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 it's a heat of the moment sort of thing and, right. and that's why when you look at six seven eight and then into nine he's saying you've got to make You've got to look at this in a calculated way. And I think that the same thing could be true for a lot of different 
temptations. You know, we, we make these temptations uh, or these temptations or these invitations to foolishness don't appear as foolishness. That's why you got to really pay attention in a calculated way to what is being offered. You know, can it deliver on what is it's promising? You know, and I think that's okay. I got I got to tell you this because you weren't there and it was not on the recording. Okay. We had a, we had a baptism on <laughs> on Sunday, and at this baptism, little Emily comes up. She's got a she's got a pacifier in her mouth. Yeah. And uh, I told Seal afterwards said I, I heard my pastor say this one time. Said I think I've been waiting 25 years to say it with a baby coming over the pacifier. I said this pacifier, and this is really kind of true. What's funny about it is in the context of this whole thing is that I said that this. What I said was out loud. This this it promises much and delivers nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just like the it's just like all the things that are tempting. They promise so much, yeah. but they deliver no, nothing. And yeah. so the, the 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 that that message is is worth hearing because it feels like it's going to deliver a lot. Yeah, it really does. And yeah. you know, if you're in in the moment, it just feels like then this is this is it. This is going what's going to make me truly happy right yeah. now. Like to do this right, it's going to make me truly happy. And Solomon's saying, No, you won't. Yeah, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. And it, and it really comes down to that 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 idea of a, of the distraction, you know, the distraction between, you know, what's real and what can can provide real uh, satisfaction, and and what won't, you know, what won't provide real satisfaction, and and um, yeah, I, we, I know we talked about that last last time. It's just we we get that wrong so so much, yeah, and yeah. what will and what won't. Yeah. And so one of the things that I'm curious to hear your because you you, um, you actually started with the middle section. You started with that seven through twelve section, and I ended with seven through twelve. We, That's we, funny. You you even on this podcast right now, I'm, we're both pulling out scripture, yeah. and, I, and I'm pulling up that scripture right now because we're kind of going there. Yeah. So why did you feel like it was important to start with that scripture? Because we, I, I'm sure you read the same thing I read, scholars debate, because it seems like you've got these, uh, and, and as John was saying, when I'm actually looking at my Bible, you know, it seems like you got these two portions, you know, you've got one through six, and you've got 13 through 18, which there's a lot of parallelisms, right? And then you've got seven through 12 in the middle. You and I both believe that that's Intentional, yeah. right? There's an intentionality from from a, a, yeah. a poetic standpoint. You chose to begin with it. I chose to end with it. Yeah. So, where was your what was your thought about it, that? It just felt like it was the the tension that was created because the the chapter begins with um, with wisdom and yeah. then it ends with folly. The, yeah. the wisdom personified and the choice of wisdom and the choice of folly. And so, it begin it, it's been bookended with these two choices. But in the middle. It's what it's what it reads like to me is this insertion, however it however it came to be, seems like the answer to the tension. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah. It seems like the yeah. answer to the tension. So I just started with the answer. So you we, started with we, the answer. We just yeah. flipped our sermon exactly. basically. I, yeah. I started with the answer. You yeah. ended you ended with the with the with the answer. So, yeah. but the answer was that that and then 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 there was a question of okay, well, what does it mean to that your days will be many and your years years will be added to your life? Uh, this is again something that wasn't in the online version of, but the in, in person version of it said sometimes that can be quite literal. Yeah, because wise people making wise decisions tend to tend to make wise decisions about seeing doctors and being healthy and things yeah. like this or and the and the contrast is true also foolish people making un, making foolish decisions also 
it can end their life early, and yeah. <laughs> including this is what I said in churches that that uh, you know in the South here one of the one of the the most famous words of someone just before they die was Hey Bubba, hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> I was curious if you expanded any of that in the in person because yes. uh, that was one of those things. I'm like you know the and and this is one of the hard things with wisdom literature because and and I think people need to understand. This is not a quid pro quo kind of thing that's right. happening in, in point. Proverbs, right? And, 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 and yet there is a general sense of quid, sense pro, quo. Of quid pro quo. It's not, it's not always that yeah. way. It's not, it's not entirely that. Because obviously Jesus is wisdom personified in a literal way, not wisdom personified in a metaphorical way. And he died a physical death yeah. at you know, thirty-three. Yeah, chapter eight does a really great job yeah. of just saying all these attributes that are of wisdom that are yeah. that are just like this. Jesus, that's Jesus, that's Jesus. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I was uh, that that was uh, that, that's why I went to the uh, you know the the Princeton professor. Sure. And he was more um, sort of figurative language about the, the 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 most complete life and the life that is worth living is the kind of life that is that that's the promise of of the middle of the of this chapter. Yeah. It's a life that is worth living, and of course that tied into of course the life of Jesus. Yeah, and see, not, and I and I and I thought you know I was thinking about this idea of you know who are the people that can make the best you know because there's a lot in seven through. 12. I mean, there's there's a ton. There's the, there are the prom, there's the promise in there, uh, but there's also to me there's also this um, this this contrast between the scoffer, the mocker, and the and the wise. Yeah. You know, and that Talking was where about cutting like, info, totally left that. You yeah. and you kind of you mentioned it and then moved on. You didn't, yeah. and and you said rightly so. I mean, you could be here all day if you if you had to start if you were yeah. starting to break down that section one, as well, one, one verse at a time. Yeah. To me, it was like that's the difference. Who, who are the people who can make who can make the difference? between the invitation of wisdom and the invitation of foolishness, which often masquerades as wisdom. Who's the person I, I, that can do that? I, I, you know? I loved how you ended, and I'm curious if you kind of unpack that a little bit, too, is that you, the answer to that question you just asked, and you asked it in the sermon as well, was uh, is the per, it's the person who's teachable. It's the teachable, the correctable, how, the moldable. How did, you, how, how did you come to that? Well, you know, one is, is that this contrast is there because, you know, one of the things um, – in verse nine, you know, verse eight and nine, there's this "do not reprove," and that really is just a a, a word for you know, teach or guide. Um, do not reprove a scoffer; he'll hate you. But reprove a wise man, and he will love you. So there's this. To me, it's who's the teachable one? Who's the one that understands in humility that that they don't have it all figured out? You know how because because wisdom and folly's invitation and we both mentioned this have a lot of similarities. I mean, the first line is the same. They're speaking from the high uh, high place. Um, you know the the way that the proverbs writer, the way Solomon has chosen to personify both of them is wisdom. I, I understand that that the, the, the linguistics about that, but there's still this choice to make the personification that the invitation is to a meal. Both both meals. It's in the deep Details. So, how do you? Who's the person that can recognize the details of a specific choice? You've got two choices in front of you. Both of them, on the surface, from afar, look yeah similar. Look great. So, how do you know which is the godly decision, and how do you know which one is not the godly decision? And sometimes, I, I the hard part about this is there are gray areas, and both might be godly yeah, decisions, yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's still you know there's always the there's always the third option of doing nothing. So, um, to me, it's the, the idea of the teachability. You know, my father-in-law who's a pastor, um, and I, I worked with him for, for uh, more than ten years. You know, when he was hiring someone. Um, 
the the number one attribute that he was looking for is are they teachable hmm. or do they they come in thinking they've got it all figured out do they come in thinking they know everything yeah. and they want to impose kind of their 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 image of what the church ought to be or their will on the church rather than saying no no, no there's some there's some common molding that needs to take place when you when you come into a, a new a new opportunity and the the same thing is true for anything i mean you, you get a new job in a business uh, if you come in thinking you know everything but you don't know the business that's not you know you don't know the people you don't know the, the culture you don't know the environment that's not going to go well you come into a marriage thinking you are going to impose your will on your spouse and there's not going to be yeah. then there's there's going to be problems if you go into parenthood thinking you've got this, you know, detail, you know, you know this pattern of being a parent, that's the way you're going to do it. You're going to impose it on your child, no matter what their personality is. And if you're not, there's not some humility and flexibility yeah. in that. Um, and then also, and I was trying to also dovetail off of what you had said the week before um, about the godly counselors and the doing the yeah, research, yeah. right? I was trying to, I don't know if the connection was as obvious because I mentioned it at the beginning, but I, and then I kind of was sprinkling in some of the same language that you used the week before because I wanted people to say, it's not enough to just have the good counselors, the godly counselors, if you don't listen to them. You yeah. know, that, that was really what it was. Yeah. Uh, my, and if my there's heart no was, heart desire for, for it in the first place. Yeah, exactly. You're so, just going through the motions. And I'm also you, you want to know where it really comes from. Some of it's preaching to myself because I, I struggle with that. I struggle mm-hmm. with you know um, knowing everything, you know, and or feeling like I know well, everything. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a. It comes with the territory. Cause it we, does. Yeah. We, you have that. That head of yours has been filled up with a lot of information yeah. and a lot of. And you. You are a well learned person. Yeah. And and when we when we're immersed in this, like you and I are, and others in leadership are, it's. Uh, it, it can be a real issue. And, I, by the way, I thought the. Uh, I thought about this. Neither one of us said this, but as you were, as I was listening to you, uh, talk about the the one who is. Um, the uh, the one who's, who's not trainable, uh, yeah. the ones who are who are moldable. I think you used that yeah. word, and that word triggered that the, the whole set of thoughts of that's the that's the Jeremiah language of the potter at the wheel. That's, oh, that's yeah, the potter absolutely. in the clay. I didn't think about that. Yeah, but now, for, you know, I, I find it very helpful just to even think about that. Is that if you're if you are a pot, if you are a piece of clay, yeah. and God is the potter, which is the image that. Jeremiah and Isaiah uh, have, and and in the New Testament, um, then if you're too dry, yeah. which is the rigid, I'm changeable, I'm right. This is exactly what you're saying. I'm the person who's going into the job or into mm-hmm. the marriage, saying I'm going to impose my will on you. I'm just so rigid. If it's just too dry, I'm not going to take the shape that God would have us shape. The opposite is, is is also problematic. If you've ever done work with clay before, yeah, and you put if your clay is too wet, you have to shape it up to this really nice shape, and it just, just falls blah. apart. Yeah. Just, and you kind of know people in both camps. They're like yeah. they're really so rigid, they're impenetrable. Yeah, and you, they won't change. We talked about that a little bit last week on the podcast. And then you know people who are like droopy. You know they they uh, never make decisions. They, they never make decisions. Yeah, they're yeah. kind of morphing with it, mm-hmm. every little little thing. There's no and God. I think God wants us to find no. There's some there's some content here that I want you to be firm in. Yeah, and we sort of lose that with the with the with the blowing of the winds. Is that I think if you yeah. should talk about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I and 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 maybe I think I think that's that's where. Um, and just you know, thinking out loud, talking out loud a little bit now. But this is you know where the balancing act between, um, and this is where that fear of the Lord is so so valuable. And our and and the and and the word fear kind of instills a sense of 
a um, uh, unconfidence in in our relationship with dread. God. We have dread. You know. Yeah, which is really why the word is more intimate and personal and more loving than than our English word, and why the Hebrew word that is translated fear in those contexts, you know, it's it's a hard translation because it's different than awe. People say, oh, you know, if you have an awe of the Lord, well, that's different than awe because there is a sense of recognition of what God could do, mm. but there's also a sense of recognition of God what. God withholds because of his love for us. But when when that is married to our our devotion to scripture, our devotion to prayer, uh, that's where the teach of, and our devotion to, to seeking good and godly and wise counselors, that's where the 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 moldability uh, creates uh, resolve, right? Because the, right. The, the 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 concept here in nine is not just to sway between the two meals. The concept is to recognize the difference in the invitations yeah. and choose a meal to eat. You know, and I think that's that really comes back down to that fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know, that there's, teachability. There's almost that. something, and I didn't say this. Um, there's almost something that needs to be inserted in the decision making process. And it's a, and it's uh, it's uh, maybe maybe it's just time maybe it's just you need you need time to think to to to, yeah. to consider the implications of that and I guess this is going back to last week too but uh, but it's, it's I guess it comes up again in this if you got two very attractive invitations in in any given moment I know I like how you said there's there's two and there's probably two or you three know, more yeah, three, yeah. three more after that you know but you got and you know you've got decisions and yet your emotions are wanting you to compelling you to go to one thing because you're attracted to this you know, foolish woman or you're attracted to this woman is offering this good you know do we have the capacity to slow down enough to to reason yeah yeah and that's the, I guess that's the, the, the issue and and it and the answer is we we do if we are not controlled by our emotions we're always going to make we're always going to make every decision is an emotional decision there, i'm not, yeah, I'm not saying yeah, that you can't minimize that's that that's not that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying that is the emotion so overpowering that it that it clouds our, our capacity to 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 just think things through yeah, and and you know, and and I think we could talk about the implications, uh, especially for our modern context, all day long. Because I, I think there is a speed with which we are expected to make decisions that is unhealthy. Yeah, and I think there's oh a, boy, you know, That's a good and, point. And, but I, but but just what you're saying though, because there are time because and 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 I didn't say this because we're I, just now as you're saying what you know as you're talking about it and we're kind of unpacking. I think this is this is how do you see the detail in any any work? You know, how do you see the detail? How can you appreciate the detail in a piece of art or a piece of music? You got to take time with it. How can you differentiate between the invitation of one thing that says it's wisdom, but is really foolishness and one thing that is godly wisdom? You got to take the time. And and we, we, for la- I just think we're we're rushed yeah. into making decisions. No, that's a good point. And, and sometimes may, well, sometimes we're rushed may, internally, maybe this, right? Maybe the rest of this series we we can, which I'm going to be out for some of it, but uh, <laughs> but maybe the rest of the series we can we can address the subject of time. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's a huge point. What you're yeah. bringing up is a huge point. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the, the the question of time because we I think you're right. We we do rush. And maybe even feel the need to rush through decisions. Yeah, even if there's no external force, 
compelling us. There's this internal, I got to make a decision. I got to make a decision. Even if there, now sometimes there are deadlines, right? Sometimes there are deadlines, but sometimes we invent deadlines that aren't there or, or, and, and, and and I I don't know. I I find that to be a real problem for myself too. I, I, I create, um, false internal deadlines. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and false urgency, um, for, for given choices. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, so anyway, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a huge piece. We, yeah, there's a lot we could, that is is good. That is good. There's a lot we could do with that too. Um, you know, we, 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 one of the things that you had mentioned earlier, I'll, I'll touch on it for a second is we had a very different physical space in, in, in the modern worship service. It was really, uh, it was really amazing for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, we get um, – you and I have talked about this offline. I don't know that we've ever talked about this on the podcast. We've talked about this in worship planning meetings and and in, in various committee meetings is that – but I think sometimes we know the theology of this as worship leaders, but I don't know that it always translates to the congregation is that we, worship is not this – this service that we provide yeah. to people, and that's how it sometimes yeah, you, feels. You said something like that at I the did. beginning. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, great. Yeah, I, I was glad you said that. But it's not a concert. It's not a concert, and and, and, it's, and it's the work of everyone. That's, yeah. that's how you said it. Yeah, and for and just for clarity, a lot of times modern worship services get get accused of that, but it, it really holds true in all services because even just the way our physical spaces are set up, yeah, they're always set up with front pulpit, you know stage chancel whatever in a congregation i mean and and all i've never been in i've never been in a worship space i don't i mean maybe i have i'm trying to go back into my my brain where it wasn't set up like that i mean cathedrals and warehouse churches and and there's a long i mean that comes right out of the greco-roman backstory of the the into which the jewish and he he, uh, and christian faith arose they they had all these stages yeah yeah so it was good from the standpoint from that standpoint just to be able to kind of shift that around to embody um in in the space that theology hmm. um it also made it where and i had intentionally done, done this knowing that we were going to be in this round sort of thing reading the scripture in that antiphonal way yeah, where nice. there was a side middle side leader i had there was a there at w- in one iteration there were multiple leaders um that were going to be doing different things but it, it, I, I thought maybe i was throwing too much at them so we just simplified it a little bit um preaching wise uh it was it was different just, and and one of the biggest differences not so much that you're preaching to one side or the other because we do that even on the stage mm-hmm. was more um what you have to discipline yourself not to think about so i actually came in really really early on sunday morning to run through it on, on the, the stage, stage. Yeah. so i could visualize it um and actually think of, and at one point when i'm running through the the message i'm thinking oh my gosh when i'm talking to this side of the room the other side is looking at the back of my head and you know everything else and i had to say you gotta you can't think about that you, yeah. you really have to just pretend when you're doing that and just make sure you're running the space yeah. so yeah that was more and it, but that works though man i i'm i'm thinking about um i just saw um a comedian that I've enjoyed lately named Nate Bargatze, mm-hmm. and he did this thing in the round. Yeah, and so he, l- l- literally on this 360, we you had 
you know, you you weren't in the rounds. Yeah, we were in arch. You were in arch. Yeah, you were in arch. And uh, but he was completely in the round, and you never got the sense that it was awkward. And yeah. I, helped, I mean, I'm watching it because the cameras were always picking him up where yeah. wherever he was. So those of us online didn't feel that yeah. at all because I watched you online and it was great. They had the camera angles. Yeah, uh, they had a couple uh, where they they had me from the side. I noticed. Yeah, they had one back from yeah, your from shoulder. Back, where you so you see the doors. Yeah, out to the yeah. the south entrance. Yeah, and actually, you know, it's it's a big. Um, for for production reasons, we didn't do it for production reasons. In fact, our production team, God bless them, you know the the setup teams and and the the tech team had more it, work to it do. Was a lot more work for them, uh, which is why we. You know, some people came up to me. Oh, we should do this for a lot longer. Uh, my wife and mother-in-law thought it was. You know, they loved it. It was the best worship experience that they it, they could remember in a long time because they loved being able to see people, which I loved it too. Like, oh, we should do this for you know a couple months. And I'm thinking, yeah, my our production team would kill us if that's what because it's a lot of work to to do that. But it's worth it for the 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 the. To, to reset people, I think. I think it, it's a good reset mentally and emotionally and for people. And all of that reminds me of um, of um, Kierkegaard. Soren Kierkegaard had a um, a statement about what is worship. Yeah. And when he, and he called it, the, he talked about the theater of worship. Yeah. So it's perfect. As you were saying it, you were describing it. Perfectly. What Kierkegaard said uh, years ago, he said that 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 the uh, that the, the usually we think of. The seats where all the people are—that's mm-hmm. the audience, yeah, and, then the, and yeah. then the people who are on the stage are yeah. the are the actors. And the job is the actors are there to entertain the audience. Yeah. And it's hard to break away from that in yeah. a, in in a culture where that's true everywhere else. If you go to yeah. a movie theater, same thing. You're the audience. The movie is the entertainment. You go to a baseball stadium. You know the the, the baseball players are the are the are the actors, and you're the audience. And Kierkegaard was saying that's that's back. That's not backwards, right. Yeah. That's right. The audience. Well, the, the 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 people on the stage are there to encourage the actors who are the people who are sitting in the pews, yeah. so they can do their job for the audience who is God. Yeah, it's an yeah. audience of one. Yeah, and, and and it's interesting too. There's also this community element too that come, that plays into that. I think, and one of the things I think this was the you know the the band the Irish band U2 um, did something radical um, in their Vertigo tour. Uh, people remember this is like the early 2000s. They started doing what they called the ellipses, right? So they have a main stage and then they actually had this 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 circular runway that goes all the way out into the crowd wow, yeah. and then a general audience in the middle and then a, a audience a general audience in the background and then um a you know the the, the people that are in the seats and, and it was funny because at the time it was a very uh avant-garde novel concept and now Every artist yeah. does something very similar to the point where my my wife and daughter went and saw Ed Sheeran uh, in concert at Raymond James Stadium, and his was entirely in the round. Wow. His stage was in the middle, yeah. and he had uh, spokes, basically spokes on the wheel. And the idea is this: this the concept when you two did it, uh, it was really about bringing a sense of community to the concert experience. Because if you go to concerts, it's I mean, you're the funny thing is you're actually hearing the volume of you know. 40,000 people singing, not, you know, Bono just the, singing. Just singer, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. when we were there, Julie and I were actually at it's loud. those. It's, it's very loud, and it's not just loud because the band has got, you know, yeah. however many tens of thousands of watts of electricity go, pumping through the speakers. It's because there's, you know, tens of thousands of people 
singing together yeah. these things and 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 that's the that's really what we're supposed to be doing in a worship you know this space i mean that's yeah. really how it's supposed to be and i will say this the, the thing that gets most interesting about this and, and i'll be curious as i go and you're gonna uh, are you gonna be in there at all but it's gonna I, i'm curious when when uh i'm in this week in vine and then i'm, I'm in classic um the next week and then back in vine the watching the people who don't participate or don't sing, and, and you see them a lot. Now clearer. I can see them. Yeah, I can see, <laughs> you see everybody now. Right? I can see because normally we yeah. sit pretty. Even if no matter where you sit, you're always facing the stage. You can't really tell who's singing and who's not. Yeah, you can who's now. participating. Now I can actually see it. And, <laughs> and um, I might. I don't know. I'm gonna have to resist the urge to call people out um, from the stage when, when I'm up there. So, yeah. Well, uh, just so you know. Um, First off, those of you who are listening online who, who, uh, who watch the classic service, if you're curious about anything at all what we're talking about, yeah. just go, go check out the, uh, the, the modern service on, yeah. on Sunday. You see how the, the setup went. I do think it was a different experience, though, from the, from the viewer, yeah. from the viewer's perspective, because it's like me watching this comedian, Nick Bargazzi. Yeah. It was fine for me because I yeah. always saw his face because the cameras followed him everywhere. Yeah. So I never got to stare at his back of his head, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then we did, yeah. but I, I have to tell you that uh, just a shout out to you that um, the, the, the references to eighty to, to nineties was uh, was 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 great there. The, the Napoleon Dynamite thing. My, as you may know, my sister in uh, Saint Augustine uh, watches. Yeah. she's she's yeah, going to join. She'll yeah. join the church. Um, but she uh, she uh, she said, well, this guy she's dating, she's, he he went out and had to watch Napoleon Dynamite right away. And my kids did too. When we got home, they're like, oh my gosh, we want to watch Napoleon. Now Dynamite. we want to watch it. Yeah, you see. You created yeah. a, a few more viewers of, of, of Napoleon Dynamite. It's totally unintentional, but you know the idea was that the power of personal the power of personal how did that, how did it become know? such a rage because people yeah. talked about because it. it's was, a that was weird great. movie, man. So I didn't want to let this time go without without yeah. acknowledging that you did what? a little, little sidebar. What on a it. weird movie, though, man. We watched oh, it. We watched it uh, well yesterday, and I'm just like, oh, and my buddy. And I, I told my buddy about it when it first came out, and he was like. And then he watched it, and he said, I can't believe I spent 90 minutes of my life watching that. Yeah, yeah. It's just so dumb. I said, yeah, but you're going to quote it for the rest of your Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Like I, I do The uh, Princess Bride. When I th- yeah, exactly. And I think, the, and, which is also a very dumb movie, yes. <laughs> but also very quotable and hilarious. But I think, too, it gets back to, you know, this, it's very real. I mean, it's very kind of earthy. You know, you use your term early. I think that was a great, it's a great term. I think people resonated with that. And it was kind of an anti-blockbuster. Uh, anti Popular kid, yeah, anti-blockbuster, well. yeah, yeah, anti-popular, yeah. and actually changed a lot. I think I've I've heard kids that said, you know, after that movie, being the the nerd was not was not the bad thing it used it had once yeah. been. You know, it kind of did change some of that too. But well, listen, if you're in Vine again this weekend, I'll know that you really kind of come for full circle on this illustration. If you have a vote for Pedro shirt, on. I did have a vote for Pedro shirt. I don't have it anymore. I, I did have one uh, when it came out. Um, my wife got me one, and uh, I wore it. I, I wore it for, and I, but I have no idea where it and went. If you, all, if you who are listening don't know what that means, you too will have to go watch the, right. uh, the movie That's Napoleon right. Dynamite. But J- be, be warned that you're uh, that you will lose some brain cells along right. the way. <laughs> John, you're out of town this week. Yes, uh, taking a little taking a little trip. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, Ed Diaz will be in classic service this week. I'll be back in Vine uh, on Sunday, and uh, so if anyone's missed any one of our messages in the series uh, called Wisdom That Works. Uh, 
do encourage you to head to our website, fbclakeland.org. Go to the worship page and the sermon archive tab to watch complete services. And uh, if you've missed any one of our episodes of Armchair Preaching, uh, head to your favorite podcasting platform, Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and uh, subscribe uh, so you can be notified when a new episode drops. You can also like us, uh, share a review, and uh, share it on your social media platform so other people can uh, know about us and the sermons. Uh, it's not about us. It's about bringing attention to the truth and the beauty and the goodness of God's word. And so that's what it's all about. John, thank you so much for hanging out. Good to be here. And uh, we'll see everybody next time.